It's the message of the cross that's the seed that is implanted within our hearts that causes us to be born again. Thank you for joining us on Truth That Changes Lives. Pastor J.P. Jones is the senior pastor of Crossline Community Church in Laguna Hills, California, and a professor in biblical studies at Biola University. Today on Truth That Changes Lives, Pastor J.P. will be giving us a message from a series entitled Galatians. Let's listen in as J.P. gives part two of Work of Man or Work of God. Paul's talking about the cross. In fact, this theme is so dominant in his preaching, in his thinking, in his writing, in his very life conviction, he has previously, or in another letter, written these words to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He says this, For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved, know it's the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It's foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven, and it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach the cross, that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This whole message is about the cross of Jesus Christ and the impact it should have on our lives. Looking at Galatians chapter six, I have four observations. Here's the first one. The cross of Christ puts all religious externals into perspective. The cross of Christ puts all religious externals into perspective. The religious external that was in the historical background of this passage is circumcision. It was the sign of the Abrahamic covenant. In Genesis chapter 12, God gave a promise to Abraham that he would be the human means to bless the entire world, that his seed, ultimately who was Christ, but his seed through his descendants would be a blessing to the nations. And God was going to give Abraham a land and and a, a blessing and a seed. And in Genesis chapter 15, it says Abraham believed God and was reckoned to him as righteousness. And in Genesis chapter 17, God instituted the covenant of circumcision as an outward sign ratifying his promise. But what happened over time was that the Jewish people put more focus on the sign than they did on the promise. And what was a beautiful thing to remind them of God's promise became the very stumbling block from experiencing a vital relationship with God. And so Jesus said, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Because what needs to happen is our hearts needs to be transformed. That's what the message of Galatians is all about. We need radical heart surgery from the Holy Spirit, implanting the grace of God within us and the forgiveness of God and the new life of Jesus Christ. And so the sign of circumcision can be a stumbling block, Paul says, when you focus on the sign, not on what it represents. In fact, he even says in this passage, circumcision or uncircumcision, 
It doesn't mean anything. What really matters is this new creation because we believe in the cross of Christ and the Holy Spirit's given us new spiritual life. You see, the cross puts all religious externals in perspective. Biblical externals. Circumcision was a biblical external. In the New Testament, we have two externals which are powerful symbols and signs of our salvation, but can be just like circumcision was to the audience that Paul is writing to. Baptism is a powerful reminder of salvation in Jesus Christ. It is a step of obedience for every follower of Jesus. We here have had wonderful services in, in baptism. Out on the patio, you know, we pull out from the tabernacle the holy pool that we blow up. And we've celebrated so many stories of changed lives. You know, we, we're, I'm along with you praying for God to provide us with a permanent facility. But I, I know I will always look back to these services out on the patio here at the school where we so powerfully have seen life change. And the baptism services have been great. And we will continue to do that. But let's not forget what it is that it represents. I'm not picking on you. You just, you know, this is my style. Are you, are you a guest with us today? Yeah, I'm JP. Hi. Nice to see you. Yeah. Hi. See, you see, the folks who come around here know that this is kind of what I do sometimes. I just kind of step off and walk right into your personal space. But Listen, the point is, don't let the symbol become a stumbling block. Let the symbol remind you of the reality. So whether it's circumcision or baptism or the Lord's Supper, how, how awesome is the Lord's Supper where we, we, are, we are following what Jesus said and remembering his body and his blood and, and proclaiming to one another that we believe in Christ alone for our salvation. But every Sunday, you know, in churches across America, people, you know, lean to the left, lean to the right, stand up, sit down, fight, 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 take communion, and it means nothing. It means nothing. It's just some sign. And that's what had happened to the folks in Galatia with circumcision. The cross puts all religious externals in perspective. What really matters is do you have a living, vital relationship with God through Jesus Christ because Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again from the dead. And you understand that and you believe that and you've committed yourself to that and it's changing your life. That's what matters. Here's a second observation. The cross of Christ eventuates the new birth. Eventuates, that's a good word. I try to throw stuff out there, you know, every now and then. I went to college. <laughs> we can have new birth because of the cross. If there was no cross, there could be no new birth. We've been born again spiritually, the Bible says. What causes us to be born again, to have new life, is because Jesus Christ died for our sins. He rose again from the dead. The Holy Spirit takes that truth when we believe it in our hearts and implants us within us, and that seed of new life springs up within us. Peter says uh, in 1 Peter chapter 1, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of the imperishable through the living and a Abiding word of God, for all men are like grass, and all the glory is like the flowers of the grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. He quotes from Isaiah chapter 40 there, and he says, this is the word that was preached to you. Well, what is that word, which is the seed that is implanted within us that causes us to be born again? Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 
Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the message of the cross that's the seed that is implanted within our hearts that causes us to be born again. And so the cross of Christ is the basis for new life. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, from now on, we don't regard anybody from a worldly standpoint because we've concluded this, that one died, therefore all died, that they who have died should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. It is this understanding that Christ died for us and that we've died with him and therefore we have new life. We're a new creation. The cross eventuates this new birth. Here's a third observation. The cross of Christ defines our deepest identity. It defines our deepest identity. Paul said in Galatians 6.14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul, Paul says his most fundamental identity was found in the cross. Of all the things he could boast about, he says, may I never boast about anything but this, the cross of Jesus Christ. And through the cross, I've been crucified to the world and the world to me. Paul has said something similar to this over in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I've been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. He says a similar thing over in Romans chapter six when he says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin for he who has died has been freed from sin. If we have been made in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Therefore, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Paul says this historical event of the, of the death of Jesus Christ has far-reaching, far-reaching impact. It has the uh, impact to be the, the basis for our forgiveness of sins. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sins and rose again from the dead. First. Uh, Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you what was of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and he was raised again on the third day, according to the scriptures. But Paul says, not only is the cross of Christ kind of the, the guts of the gospel, it's the defining, it's defining truth of who I am as a person. Because my belief in that not only was the basis to have my sins forgiven, but my belief in that has defined who I am. I am a man who has been crucified to the world and the world to me. In other words, I no longer derive my identity by this world system, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boast of pride of life. I define who I am by the cross. See, do you define who you are by, you know, your education, your career, your marital status, how much money you make, what zip code you live in, what kind of car do you drive? Do you define yourself by all that stuff? Or you define yourself as a person who, because of the cross of Christ, the world has been crucified to you and you to the world. See, that's deep. That's deep. That's why the cross prompts us to make a decision. And to make no decision is to make a decision. Billy was right. 
Some of us here need to make a decision that because of the cross, we're going to give our lives to Jesus Christ. Some of us have already given our lives to Jesus Christ, but the cross is not defining who we are. We've gotten caught up into the world. Maybe it's the religious world, and we're using things like circumcision and baptism and church membership and rule keeping and stuff that really doesn't matter, but we're using that to define our relationship with God when we should be looking back to the cross as that which defines our relationship with God. Some of us just gotten caught up in the world, and we need to come back to the cross. So the, like the old hymn, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my sin rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. It's the cross. See, I, I'm an ordained Baptist minister. I know those hymns. Some of you are going, gosh, I can't believe he knows that. Yeah, I, I do. It's the cross that defines who we are. The cross sets us free so that we live our lives in the world, but we're not of the world. We live our lives in the world, but we're not of the world because Paul says, it's the cross that reminds me that I have been crucified to the world and the world to me. One last observation. The cross of Christ is costly. Paul says in Galatians 6 that, you know, some people didn't want to preach the cross because it created so much flack. So they still talked about circumcision. He says, if I was really concerned about just being comfortable, I wouldn't preach the cross. And then he says, as he closes out this letter, verse 16, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The apostle Paul was talking about literally the scars on his body that came from the persecution he received because he preached the cross. It costs something to believe in the cross. It cost Jesus his life. He died. I would love to be able to tell you, as apparently some people do, you know what? You just believe in Jesus and everything will be just rosy. Money will get into your bank account. Your wife will love you. Your boss will give you a raise. Your neighbor will think you're the greatest guy in the world. Your kids will just worship you as an awesome parent. You will feel self-actualized and just joy will fill your life all the day. But that's just not true. It's not true. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He who wants to save his life must lose it. He who loses his life for my sake finds it. Now, before you might be thinking, well, you know, I was with you up until this point, JP, and now it's like, forget it. Any decision you make costs you. Did you know that? Any decision you make costs you. Uh, I I have a very, you know, because I have a simple brain, I have a very simple philosophy. Whether I'm sharing my faith with someone or I'm discipling someone or I'm counseling someone through some issue, as much as I understand and empathize with what's going on, when it kind of comes to like, well, let me share my perspective, it, it always comes down to this for me. You got three options. You can do nothing about whatever's going on. But you know the old adage, you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. 
So you can do nothing, and if you don't like what's going on right now, if you do nothing, that's just what you're going to get. You can say, forget God, and shake your fist at God and walk away. And at first, that might even give you a little temporary relief from whatever it is you're experiencing. But there's a cost. Just like there's a cost to just keep things going the way they are, there's a cost if you rebel and turn away from God and run the other way. Or you might say, God, I want your life I want to embrace the cross. I want Jesus' fullness in my life. And there's a cost. See, there's a cost for whatever you do. But only the cross provides the resurrection. That's, that's, That's it. Only the cross gives the hope of the resurrection. Only the cross will give you the hope of new life. Only the cross will give you the hope of heaven. Only the cross will give you the hope of transformation. But it will cost you. Paul says, I bear on my body the, the marks of Jesus. One of my favorite authors, A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Pursuit of God, he says this, self is the opaque veil that hides the face of God from us. It can be removed only in spiritual experience and never by mere instruction. We must invite the cross to do its deadly work within us. We must bring our self-sins to the cross for judgment. We must prepare ourselves for an ordeal of suffering in some measure like that which our Savior went through under Pontius Pilate. In human experience, that veil is made of the living spiritual tissue. It's composed of the sentient quivering stuff that makes our whole beings consist. And to touch it is to touch us where we feel pain. To tear it away is to injure us, to hurt us, and to make us bleed. To say otherwise is to make the cross no cross. And death, no death. It's never fun to die. To rip through the dear and tender stuff of which life is made can never be anything but deeply painful. Yet that is what the cross did to Jesus, and that is what the cross would do to every man to set him free. Our part is to yield and to trust. We must confess, forsake, repudiate the self-life and then consider it crucified. We must be careful to distinguish lazy acceptance from the real work of God. We must insist upon the work of the cross being done in our hearts and we should not be content with just a theological doctrine of self-crucifixion. We must insist that the work actually be done. The cross is rough and it's deadly But it is effective, and it does keep its victim there until the work is finished. And then comes the moment of release, and the suffering is over, and then there's the hope of resurrection. To make no decision is to make a decision. Paul wrote this great letter of Galatians talking about freedom and grace and transformation. But he ends it by talking about the cross. And wherever you are in your spiritual journey, what will set you free, what will give you hope, is going to the cross. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? What a great message for all of us today. Pastor JP provides us with great insight. That is why we'd like to make it available to you on CD. Just get in touch and mention today's date. We'll send it your way for just $5. Or if you'd like to support this ministry, you can write us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331 Moulton Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or give us a call at 949-916-0250. That's 949-916-0250.
For your gift of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of JP's new book, Facing Goliath. Please join us every Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. at Crossline Church in Laguna Hills. The address is 23331 Moulton Parkway, Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or check us out on the web at crosslinechurch.com. We're going to get to the address and phone number again in a moment. But before we do that, Pastor JP, do you have any insight from today's message? Thanks, Greg. Paul closes the book of Galatians in Galatians chapter 6 with a challenge to consider the cross, to actually boast in the cross of Jesus Christ. An old hymn of the faith went like this, At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, with a burden of my sin rolled away, it was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. You see, it's the cross of Jesus Christ that has taken away our burden of sin. Every person comes into this world with tremendous value. We matter to God, tremendous worth. We're created in God's image. But we come into this world as sinners, sinners who sin. And the condemnation is separation from God for all eternity. The only hope is the cross of Jesus Christ. In the movie, The Passion, the cross of Jesus Christ is vividly portrayed to us. It's brutal. It's ugly. The beating, the torture, the uh, enduring pain that Jesus Christ went through on the cross. Yet it was the cross of Christ that God used to pay the penalty for sin. God's wrath was poured out on the cross of Christ. God's punishment of sinners was poured out on the cross of Christ. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53 that Jesus endured the chastisement against sinners for us. Jesus Christ was our substitute on the cross. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for sin on the cross. And it's in the cross of Jesus Christ that salvation is available to anyone who would believe. It's also in the cross of Jesus Christ that we find our deepest identity as new men and new women in Christ. Because the Bible says we've been crucified with Christ and we've been risen and raised with Christ. We have new life because our identity is in Jesus Christ. The cross of Christ reminds us of that. And so Paul says, I'll boast in the cross of Christ. I won't boast in any religious external. I won't boast in any religious ritual. I won't boast in any religious brandmark. The only ground of boasting is in the cross of Christ. Our identity as Christians is the cross of Jesus. Our identity for freedom, for hope, for eternal life is the cross of Jesus Christ. Today, what we need more than anything else is to focus on the cross, to understand the cross, and to trust in the true meaning of the cross. Jesus Christ died for our sins. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. And it's through Christ alone that we can have salvation and through Christ alone that we could become changed and transformed into his likeness. If that's what you are desiring, if that's what your heart cries out for, would you boast in the cross of Christ? Would you express that in prayer? Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you desperately. Would you transform me and change me from the inside out? Would you forgive my sin? Would you fill me with the Holy Spirit? Would your cross be the center of my life? And would your cross be the marker for how I live in following you as your disciple? I pray for that and ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to help you in your relationship with Christ. Please get in touch with us at Truth That Changes Lives, 23331 Molten Parkway. Laguna Hills, California, 92653. Or call us at 949-916-0250. On the internet, you will find us at crosslinechurch.com. We hope to see you at one of our services every Sunday at our new campus in Laguna Hills. For more information and directions, please go to crosslinechurch.com. Please join us next time 
on truth that changes lives. The cross before the world behind. No turn.